0: Good morning, good morning. If you've got a a Bible or a Bible app or something and you want to be following me this morning, um, you can be looking for 2 Kings 4, 2 Kings 4, which is where I'm going to be um, around today. Um, I just want to say a quick thank you. I I don't know um, if people are often aware, but yesterday I was speaking at an an event in Ferndown and a number of people had committed to to praying for me in that and I was physically aware of the presence of those prayers at numerous times the Lord just brought to mind and you know often people message us or text us or whatever and go oh can you pray and we go yes actually it has a profound effect and it's you kind of rely on that as well, knowing I'm going with the backing of my brothers and sisters. So if you do say I'm going to do it, do it as well, because it is amazing. And So I want to thank you. I know a few people said we were praying for you yesterday, and it was like, yeah, I know, because it was amazing because of that. So do that and keep doing that. It's it's lovely knowing you're going somewhere and your whole family's coming with you. You lot are coming too. It, It has an amazing impact. So thanks for that. This morning we're we're talking on faith still, but I I was quite challenged, um, knowing how life's been like for us as a family, to start looking at faith, but faith when there's nothing left. Faith on those days when we're going, well, I don't know how I'm gonna get through to tomorrow. I mean, if I asked you here, I went, you know, who's had a bad day? Anyone ever had a bad day? Yeah, I know, the rest of you just can't be bothered to put your arms up. <laughs> so I get that, I know, I'm, I'm quite like that when I sit there. But whoever thinks they're never going to have a bad day again? Again, you see, you, you don't want to, but it's true, isn't it? We know, and yet somehow when we get onto our religious mode, it's like, well, no, God's going to have it all sorted and I'm all covered. And, and then, But the reality is, we know life is tough. And we love having this British mode, don't we? Going, how are you this morning? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. That's lovely. And off we go. When inside we're thinking, if only you really knew. Or we turn up at church having just got the kids out and fought with them and done this and had this quick tat and tate argument with the other half. And you get there and go, oh, now lovely. I'm going to worship Jesus. Life, there's a reality to our faith. And someone clever and brainy, I can't remember who it was, but it wasn't me, that's for sure, said faith isn't faith until it's tested. And um, I asked someone for a bit of rope this morning, because, you know, don't worry. Um, (laughs) Although the kids at times. Um, (laughs) Faith was apparently like a bit of rope. I can have great faith in this rope. But until I've got to hang off a cliff on it, I don't really know how great my faith is. Or perhaps I've got to pull a car on it. At some point, my faith in this rope is going to start wavering as it starts being put through different tests. Thank you for that, Ollie and Sally. That's great to dig out. Um, but uh, do you know, there's a reality to our walk and our lives that it's not a problem to not be okay. It's okay. We're all struggling. We all have different things going on. And the enemy loves telling us that we're the worst, or we're the only ones going through this or that. But there's beautiful unity in family and in church when we can come together and be brutally honest with each other. I mean, of course, there's a time and a place to go, actually, I'm not fine. I've got this, this and that and all the rest of it. But that vulnerability is so important. And I love this story today. So instead of talking on all the negatives about how we get through faith in bad times, I want to show you someone who did it, and we can take the positives out of that and and learn some lessons from this widow in 2 Kings 4, which I'm going to read. It should come up, Yay! The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, "'Your servant, my husband, is dead.' And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now if we take a step back and try and put ourselves into this kind of cultural, come out of our cultural, kind of having everything on tap kind of needs, and go back into a time when For a woman being alone, it it was as much as a a death sentence, really. Her her way of surviving would have been her sons. This was a perfectly legal move. God had himself said it it was okay to take. Um, In fact, I'll read it so we don't get it wrong. In the Mosaic law, it says, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he's to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. So there was provision there that this was okay. She had a debt to pay and that the sons could be taken to pay the debt, or she could. The trouble was, this this law was so abused that the chance of ever seeing her sons again was was quite obvious. They, They didn't follow this law. They just took people... And so not only had she then grieving about losing her husband, she's about to lose her sons, which have been her way of surviving. And so she finds herself in a beyond desperate position. And one of the things that if you read the the later books of the New Testament, God's heart was always for the widow, for the poor, for the downtrodden, for the one at the bottom. And this woman knew that she wasn't going to see her kids again, that this was a desperate time. She was in a desperate position. And God used his prophets like Amos and Micah to go and say, look, you guys keep saying you're holy and godly and that, but you're abusing the very laws I put there to protect the vulnerable in your society. So this woman, was. there's no joke in this, she is in a bad, bad place. But the first thing she did, was she recognised her need. My background, as many of you know, was, was not the easiest, one of homelessness and addiction and all sorts of junk. And my future, in a way, also has to rely so much on other people helping me, as you've just seen from a car accident which affected me to belly and has affected all our whole family. I've had to rely on my kids at times to help me do things which as a bloke has been, it was at first hugely humiliating. And I've had to learn that I need others. I can't do this alone. I need my church family. I need my real family. I need the people God has chosen to put around me. You see, Paul had this expression, he said, carry your own burdens, yes, but also help people carry theirs. We do church together as family. You were never meant to go alone, it's there in Genesis. God didn't want man to be alone. But when God rescued me, you see, when God found me, I was such a dump on the floor in such a mess, I could desperately see my need for God. The danger is when life isn't quite so bad, we then think, do I still have that desperate need for God? Or am I okay? See, this woman, she knew things were bad. She could have shut the door and just waited on the inevitable, but no, she was determined to act. She was determined to go and ask for help. And we all have that need of Christ daily. Give us each day our daily bread. That's surviving each day in our walk with Christ. Because Christ, Jesus Christ wants a relationship. This is about relationship. And that can be really hard, especially at times when we feel like, hey, I'm the one doing my part. I've been crying out to God. I've been asking God to do this and that. And God is doing nothing. I'm not, it's like praying at a brick wall. But that's where the faith comes in, that we look back and we look at other people and we look around us and go, yes, but where can we point to God ever being a failure? Where can we point to a point in history where God has been unfaithful, even when he had every right to be? But we can't survive alone. We need time with one another. We need time building up one another. We need time... um, not just supporting one another, but calling each other to account at times as well. The second thing this lady did, this widow did, was that she offered everything she had to God. In verse 2, Elijah says to her, what have you got in your house? Nothing, she says, except... Nothing except a little oil. And that really is nothing, isn't it? I mean, Lou and I have moved, I don't know how many times now. I mean, we've about 14, something like that, since, you know, being in ministry and doing all various things. But you wouldn't believe when you move into new houses, it, what people take. I mean, they literally leave nothing in houses. I mean, we've had light, you move in and there's no light bulbs. And the worst is when they take the toilet roll. I mean, that is cheap. <laughs> you know, but. Quite often you'll find under the sink there's a bit of washing up liquid left in there or some bit of soap that someone's left behind. But I, I wouldn't, I'd go, the house is empty, I've got nothing. I wouldn't go, well, yeah, there's a bit of washing up liquid in there. No, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. But what I love about this and what really shouts at me about this is God's. it's not about what you have. It's got nothing to do with what you have. It's not about me. It's what about I do or don't do. God takes the nothing and does immeasurably more. God takes whatever you make available to Him. I got nothing. How many, I can't remember how many times I've heard people say that I got nothing God can use. Well, hallelujah, because God loves the nothing, and He loves taking nothing and creating a world. For us, it's often the stuff that gets in the way, not the nothing. God says, I will use whatever. I mean, that's scripture. Look at the little boy with his, all I've got is this sandwiches, but wow, he feeds thousands. The widow with the coin and the Pharisees are pouring in their old bank accounts and that, and this widow puts in a little coin and he goes, "That's, that's, that's worship. What I love about nothing is that it means we go out of ourselves because we get into this place where man ends and God begins. Faith starts when man ends. When we get to that point where the Holy Spirit says, "Wow, you're on your own here, I've got to come. I've got to you've walked into new realms. I'm there." Because no one who is called by Christ will ever be put to shame. Whatever you walk into, whatever you do is there in scripture. You're not conquerors. You're more than conquerors. I'm excited, anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> but the other thing I love here as well about is Elisha. Man, there's a man after your heart. See, look. Notice he doesn't say, "Is that all you got?" flipping heck man now you're really oh crumbs now I've got to really work hard or you, you know oh crumbs you've got debts you know debts ne- never a lender or a borrower be you know oh I know let's form a committee <laughs> come back in a week when I've got a few people together and we'll pray and we'll tell you what what we've decided and how we're going to do this and We'll make some subcommittees and more committees, and eventually we'll, we'll work out. No, he doesn't. He, he says, this is what you've got. This is what you need to do. And I love the way that God works with that. She doesn't offer nice words. I'm sure nice words would been nice, or sympathy, or prayers, because she needs Action. Jesus wasn't there with the disciples saying, look, you've got all these hungry guys in front of you, go pray for them. He says, you feed them. They're hungry, they want food. This woman prepared for abundance. So she stood there with a, it depended on which translation you've got before you. Some will say jar, which is much smaller, and then it, it depends. Some say a flask. Anyway, the math is, she has something small and she's pouring into something bigger. That's the long and short of it. So she stood there with her little jar and Elijah says, go round. And notice he says, all the neighbors. Get as many jars as you can. She's thinking, great, why did I mention that oil? Because now I've got to troop round all the neighbors and now they're all going to ask, I don't know about you, but our neighbors would want to know why, you know. There's a couple of neighbours in our close, and they just know everything. And one of them's me. <laughs> well, I have a lot of time on my hands to sit there and watch the come and to go. Anyway, you know, she's got to go around all the neighbours and get all these jars. And you can see her knocking on the door. Can you got a cup of sugar? No, I don't want the sugar. I want the cup. You know, and she's collecting all these jars. And you can just see them all going, "Wow, what the? What's she doing? What's she doing?" Elijah just said, go home, all the jars are full. What would have that done? He he wanted to experience the God of her husband, that, that faithful prophet. The great message here is we have a God of abundance. She was preparing for that. She was preparing for God's maths, not man's maths. And I think this has been one of the hard things for us to learn is we doubt God's abundance. We think God's going to do just enough or not enough, or somehow he's, he can create the universe. He can send his son, Raymond says, at just the right time in history, but me, he has completely forgotten about. And the enemy loves coming along going, Well, yeah, because what are you worth? You yeah, know, what have you ever done? And, you know. Obviously, God's got much better things to do than worry about you. And I wonder how many times when I've sat and thought, shall I pray for that person? Now I don't think God will heal them. Or God starts you on this path and thinks, think, well, no, I, I, I... You know, there's no condemnation from Christ, so I'm not going there. But what I'm saying is, how much more if we just took that extra step... This week when you get that feeling, I wonder if that guy's all right. I wonder if I should just offer to pray with that person at work. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah. You know what it's like and you sit there, go for it. Go for it. Because you're stepping into faith. Don't lose that hope that God will come through for you. Finally, this woman was faithful and obedient. Bearing in mind the the state of her mind, the state of her health probably, and where she's going through dealing with the grief and the the stress of her children and the debts and the how the heck do I get through to tomorrow and survive. And then she's told to go and wander around the neighbours and pick up jars. I mean, just the practicalities of this when you've got so much going on. But she's obedient, she follows the instructions to the letter, and it even says, go behind the door and shut the door. And then the text is very clear later, she shuts the door. Would it have made a difference if the door was open? I have no idea. But she did what she was told to do, she acted as she was told. I think my first reaction would have been, well, you come in, you're the God bloke, you're the one with this, that can do all the stuff. You, you come too. But it looks like he didn't even go to her house. But when you read the next story on, the next account on, the woman said exactly that. I'm not going back to my dead child until you come. And there's this delay and, it doesn't, and there's all that extra. This woman just acts in faith. Pour out the oil. Pour out your oil. Have you ever poured oil out Basically, you're not going to get back as much as you pour out. So when you pour it out, it's out. It's that kind of sticky fluid, isn't it? That oil would not start flowing until she was prepared to pour out the little she had, the nothing she had. And that little act of faith, which actually was a huge act for her, was to start pouring. Removing herself from her comfort zone and trusting God. And she'd asked, she was the one that asked God for help and here it was, probably just not in the form that she thought it was coming. And isn't that a lesson and a half? Because how many of us, if we look back and go, well, God really came through for me on that, was ever in the way that we thought it was gonna be? This woman faced total humiliation. I mean, all the nation's got all the jars from the neighbours and all that, and yet she risked it all. She trusted. And you may not be able to see or feel or understand at the moment what the heck is going on in your life, where God is, but it doesn't matter because He sees you. He sees you. He's the Father. He's the parent. He's the guardian, as we say. And he loves you. And sometimes in a relationship, like, you've only got to read Psalm 13, and there's David going, How long, O oh Lord? How long? It's honest. It's the cry of a heart. That's worship, because that's relationship. And the Holy Spirit in Scripture is often seen as oil. And I believe our church is in this current place where we have this little jar. I think sometimes we think we have a big jar, but I think the Lord's going, no, you've got a small jar because your mind can't conceive what I can do. You have a small jar and until you start pouring that out, you'll stay where you are. But that first jar is the hardest you can imagine, once you filled one jar again, this is unbelievable. The second jar, the third jar, the fourth jar, it's that first jar when you're pouring out what you have, knowing you may never get this back. Because through beauty comes through ashes, suffering produces that perseverance. Where does the resurrection come through the cross? And it's often in the wilderness that the fruit of the Spirit grows because we have this longing, this desperate need to engage with God, to, to thirst, as the psalmist said. Lord, I, I'm thirsting after you. My spirit is dry. For some reason, I don't quite get this spirit-to-spirit connection where I'm longing for you. Because one thing I've certainly learned, and we've learned, Lou and I have learned, is that it doesn't matter where I am, whether I'm going to see tomorrow or not, it does not determine whether my God is worthy of praise. Because he's awesome. And, and there's no equation that says, well, just because my day is bad, God should not get the praise. That, that, that doesn't add up. They're not related. God is worthy of praise. He's worthy of worship. All oh, oh, heaven is falling down now, going holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I go, well, you ain't getting any off me today, Lord, because my day's awful. It's like, <laughs> no, he's stunning. He's beautiful. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We are not go walking here, and we'd be flat on our faces. Well, the Lord is here, just because we can't see him. And so he's worthy of praise. And that woman had nothing except, except God's asking for your accept to do immeasurably more. What that woman had was actually a little gold mine. Because in a Hebrew home, oil was used to cook, it was used to heal, it was used to anoint, it was used to light. Everyone would need what that woman suddenly had. You notice the need was met to the exact requirement. I know God sees our need, He sees our p- potential, and we can hand ourselves over to God's provision. We can trust. And I don't stand here saying it's easy because we, man, we've been through some ups and downs and some real close calls. And it, at times you do feel like you're hanging on by your fingertips. But we stand on a rock, we stand on a rock, that even when we can't hold on anymore, that rock is there. And you may feel, well, the impossible, the immeasurable, it just doesn't happen in my life. I don't know if you know Jesus, if you don't, come and see me after, I'll introduce you. But when I first met with Jesus, you know, when you first met with Jesus, we were in this position of these sons. We were in debt, we owed. All the stuff in my life, all the wrong stuff, the bad stuff, everything that had gone on. And the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself enough, he became nothing for me to pay my price he became nothing he became humiliated for me so if you doubt that god can turn nothing into anything look what he did with jesus look what he did with the world and he can do the same with you and i believe god is challenging each one of us today both as a church and individually what do you have in your house what do you have in your house Nothing or everything. Bring me your nothing. It's interesting that Al was saying, because I've met loads of people this year already, and us being some of them, we were going, I'm feeling God saying I need to lay stuff down. I need to lay stuff down so he can give me other stuff, because it's time for laying down. And I think often it's not the nothing that gets in our way, it's the stuff, it's the things that we carry. Often church stuff. What is God asking of you? Because we lay things down as we pour out that oil. He's going, yeah, but I've got so much more. I've I've got, oh, I just want to pour out more and more. And you as a church, I want to keep pouring out. But I ain't going to pour out if you're already full. Go empty and come back and I'll pour out and I'll pour out and I'll pour out. And that oil won't stop until all the jars are full. So we need to get empty. I'm going to end with a a bit of a favourite book of mine, Habakkuk, who's just listened to all the devastation that's going to happen. And then he says this at the end. Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me. He enables me to tread on the heights. Amen. And I'll ask Joe to, if he can come back up. And the worship team, sorry. And, I'm going to ask the guys to to play something and I just really feel that it's so easy sometimes to say I've given it to God and and in a way I I don't know about you but I find it easy to give stuff to God because there's no accountability sometimes in that. God wants me to do something as an act of putting myself out of my comfort zone or, or showing my desire to give something to him and As the guys are playing, I just want to ask, I don't know if you want to come forward or go to the cross. What is God saying to you? What what is it he asking you to to lay down? Perhaps it's the stress and the hassle of surviving day after day after day. Because I don't want you to fight anymore. I just want you to be honest with me. Just lay it down. Perhaps you're thinking, well, this is great, but I don't even know this Jesus i 've never met i don 't understand i I have no faith life 's tough again come forward and, and someone can pray with you or talk with you you know i I um, reminded the other day I, I just finished cleaning cleaning my house downstairs, and one of my daughters came in from from school she she seems to have an enormous amount of bags and stuff, and she just Oh, she just dumped bags all over the sofa, coats all, all on the floor, and, and I was about to like respond in a, you know, and I got this voice like, she's home, she's home, she's safe, she's secure, she feels happy enough to just go, chuck all my stuff down, because I'm home, and I feel that's like God saying to you this morning, you're home, I don't want you to hang on to all these bags and this junk. I want you to come down, down to the cross, get over yourself if you have to, whatever. Just put it in front of God because you don't want to leave with it. And that's all of us. There's, There's no one here that goes, well, I'm okay, I've got it sorted. That's relationship. That's honesty between one another. That's a family that says, okay, we pick one another up, we support one another.